We'd like to begin today by acknowledging the Wanarua people as the traditional custodians of the land in which we are recording today and would like to pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Hey, I'm Carly. And I'm Paige. Welcome to another episode at Valley Village Collective Podcast. The podcast where we dive into the heart of motherhood, bringing you relatable stories from local mums and insights from local practitioners. Get ready for some real talk as we listen, learn and navigate the adventure of motherhood together. You'll experience some aha moments and a whole lot of love and support. This is Valley Village Collective Podcast. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, in today's episode, we speak to local hunter mum, Jordan, who shares her birth story. Jordan gave birth to her son, Leo, at home late last year. Jordan starts off her journey talking about her fertility challenges. She's also a local midwife and speaks about how that made her feel in regards to her fertility challenges working in the hospital setting and around other women giving birth. She speaks about her decision to birth at home and hiring a private midwife. We go through the services that she chose to get her her mind and body ready for birth. We go into detail about the days leading up to the birth and also the birth of her son Leo at home in a normal physiological birth. We speak about the delivery of her placenta and how that the delivery at home differed from how it would have been managed in hospital. And then Jordan explores a few challenges that she's encountered in her postpartum experience so far. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, Jordan, and welcome to Valley Village Collective Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today to share your birth story. Could you start by letting us know who you are, where you're from, and who you live with? Hey, guys. Um, I'm Jordan. I'm 26 years old, living in Greater of the Hunter Valley. Um, I'm married to my husband, Ryan. It's coming up to two years since we've been married, actually. And we just had our little baby, Leo, in October last year. Amazing. So can you start by telling us, was your pregnancy planned? Yeah, definitely. It was planned even before, like, the fact of physically, you know, trying um, we knew that we wanted to have babies, um, but we decided that we'd wait until after the wedding just because like, work stuff was going on and just, you know, that was what was going to work for us. So um, April 2022, we got married and after that, it was all go ahead. I'd got my marina taken out about six months prior, um, would never go on contraception again, <laughs> but that's what that's what it was at the time um, and I thought that would you know be a good enough amount of time for my body to maybe regulate itself and figure out what was going on with my cycles um, but my cycles were ranging anywhere from like 28 to 45 days so I was worried that we might have some issues um, falling pregnant and like I know it's probably nothing in the scheme of things compared to some people and I've seen part of your story page so I know it's nothing but like it took us about 10 months to fall pregnant and for me that was like super hard because you know I had friends who were falling pregnant on contraception or unplanned or straight away Um, and also um, I forgot to mention I'm a midwife so I was working with so many pregnant women and for that you know, that was really hard for me to see when I wanted it so bad. 
Um, yeah. So probably about, um, I think maybe around six months into trying, I was like, I'm not waiting the year that everyone says you have to wait to get a second opinion. And I contacted a fertility specialist um, down in Newcastle. And she pretty much was like, yeah, let's get the ball rolling, um, check if anything's going on because I did suspect I wasn't ovulating at times even. Um, I was doing all the things like tracking ovulation, um, getting to know my body really well. I did feel super in tune with it. So um, she suggested I do a tube flush. Um, I think it's a HSG. Um and start me on letrozole, the ovulation induction medication. Um, The tube flush was, like, super painful. (laughs) Like, I would even say, like, way more than anything I've ever dealt with. And I wouldn't describe (laughs) birth as painful, so I can't even be like, oh, yeah, it was more painful than birth. So, um, yeah. And, yeah, the letrozole started that. The first cycle we didn't succeed, but the next cycle we did. So. That was November 2021. We started that, and then January 20. Wait, I'm getting my November 2022, and then January 2023 is when we found out we were pregnant. Yeah, I think no matter how long you try for, whether it's you know two months or two years, when when you're ready, it becomes one of those things that you think you're going to be okay to go with the flow and like you know it happens when it happens but when you're ready it's like you get desperate so quickly and you're like I want this and especially Mm. yourself being a midwife being around that you're constantly reminded like oh I want this so it's you know you're totally validated in your feelings so can you tell us about the moment that you thought you might have been pregnant and how you found out about being pregnant what how did that all unfold yeah so I guess that whole nine ten months of trying every month you'd be waiting for your period to come along and um there was points there where I was like testing a bit earlier than I should and I had friends who were like chronic you know test like at six days post ovulation um and it was so disheartening seeing all those negatives um but funnily enough the cycle um that we did for pregnant Ryan had gone away for work um and it just so happened that he was away kind of around the time when like you would normally check um so I didn't want to like be testing and him be like hours away and have to hold that in because I didn't want to tell him over the phone um so I think I must have been around like 16 days post ovulation which is like a good amount of time and I hadn't got my period um I did have a little bit of spotting maybe a week or so before which I thought oh here we go my period's coming again because it wasn't um, typical for me to have spotting um it ended up being implantation bleeding like after the fact when I look back on it um but yeah that morning I knew he was coming home in the afternoon and I I don't know like I guess when you've been trying so long you don't get your hopes up but I that particular month I was like oh maybe like it is getting heaps far in my cycle, even though they were quite late all the time. Um, and yeah, I did a test and did the typical, you know, videoing yourself whilst you're holding up it. And yeah, it was two like 
pitch perfect pink line so that was yeah I videoed it obviously and just looking back on it like you can just see like I was so shocked and my hands were shaking and just like so happy. Can I just ask Jordan as well how was Ryan um coping and navigating through the fertility challenges and the time frames between you guys deciding that you wanted to start a family going through the medication um the tube flush and just seeing your emotions towards that how from a male perspective um like how how would he describe um I mean I don't necessarily want you to speak on his behalf but you know it's something that needs to be spoken about because you know partners ride these journeys as well with us too Mm. yeah I think I think it was definitely tough for him obviously not the same as us women feel because they're not the ones like physically going through Mm. it um but it got to the point where like you know having sex was a chore (laughs) Mm, and he felt that and I felt that too but yeah like he was there along with me when we got when I got my tubes flushed and he could see how much that like hurt and Mm. I think it was a bit of like a wake-up call and um he has mentioned that yeah like it was weird that you know even he had mates at work or friends and their missus were getting pregnant straight away and like why wasn't it happening for us yeah yeah I think for males it's really hard us women seem to talk to each other about these different things but as males they I suppose a lot of them wouldn't really open up about that. So, and I think when you are trying to fall pregnant, it's always in your face. So for him to know that, you know, his mates, um, partners were falling pregnant, that that would have been quite hard for him as well. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And um, like, we're both pretty healthy people. Like even he was making changes to his lifestyle and like taking some supplements and, you know, he's not a big drinker, but even if he was to have like we were to go out he'd only have one and yeah Mm -hmm. like so it was a big change for him too I definitely can respect that how did you find your first trimester did you have any symptoms were you sick um I'm one of those really lucky people who pretty much breeze through the pregnancy in general um I did have one day when I was about six and a bit weeks where I just felt shocking and I was like oh no (laughs) is this what Mm -hmm. it's gonna be like (laughs) um but like I didn't vomit at all um I did have some like a that dark kind of brownie red blood around um seven weeks um that was quite challenging emotionally for me you know because I just you know, fallen pregnant with this baby and now I'm like, oh, is this the end? Um, so I'd planned to have a dating scan around eight weeks but ended up bringing it forward a little bit just because I needed that reassurance. And I remember that day, like, going to the scan, I was, like, crying and shaking and even, like, I got on the ultrasound table and, you know, the tech was like, oh, so how have you been and blah, 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 all the normal things. And I just, like was like well I've had some bleeding and yeah just like burst out crying Mm. and he was like okay let's you know let's get to this popped the probe on me and um he was like well there's the sack so you're definitely pregnant and then they saw the little heartbeat and it was just like oh my god (laughs) 
<laughs> all Instant their relief. feelings just melt away. <laughs> yeah. yeah, relief, but also knowing that obviously I was still only like like seven weeks. Um, so yeah, I suppose like every part of pregnancy comes with its own hurdles. You know, you get past one thing and then it's the next. It's kind yeah. of like once I. Once I see it on ultrasound and there's a heartbeat, I'll, I'll feel better. And then it's like, okay, when I get to 12 weeks, I'll, I'll feel better. Mm. But then there's always another worry. Now, what was the image in your head that you had about how your birth would go or um, what you were hoping for your birth during your pregnancy? Yeah, well, like I knew I was going to home birth before I even fell pregnant. That was, yeah, definitely the route we were going down. Um, but yeah, I just saw myself being at home and like the pool and just like dark lights, like all those kind of typical um, things that you picture when you think of a home birth, um, surrounded by, you know, like my husband and a midwife and yeah. So Jordan, you knew before you fell pregnant that you wanted a home birth. Can you just talk to us about how that decision came to you? Was it based on your experience as a midwife was it something that was just your calling from such a young age you knew that it was installed in you from the beginning like what what was that how did that um decision sort of come to come to light and knowing that that's what you wanted yeah I mean even like growing up I always knew I wanted a family I can't particularly remember thinking about birth but I never I don't think I ever feared it um and then Choosing to have a home birth was 100% based off what I was seeing working as a midwife. Um, so I was a nurse first and then I did my postgraduate degree where a year is working as a student. Um, and I just remember the first birth I ever saw was just typical like induction, epidural, shoulder dystocia, hemorrhage, episiotomy, people flooding the room and I just obviously that was the first birth I was ever seeing um it was a massive like shock for me um I just remember standing in the room and feeling helpless because obviously I didn't really know what I was doing I was you know day day one seeing a birth um and then driving home and I like was quite emotional on the ride home just thinking like what like is this birth like I know that the movies like depicted as a crazy event too, but um, I think even seeing movies like that, I never pictured birth as being like a chaotic event. Like I thought it was a natural thing, and it is. Um, so yeah, like I guess the experiences of other women that I was seeing and like birth trauma and just intervention as a whole really stood out to me, um, and then. Like I think midwives in the system, like there's not many people like me who I suppose think home birth is safe. They see that the intervention happening is like saving women, I suppose, whereas I see it as, yeah, they've put an intervention in place and created X, Y, Z that they need to fix something for. And, yeah, for me I was like, no, like birth, needs to just be left untouched and for me the safest place where that's going to happen is at home 
Yeah, Rhea Dempsey talks, and I know you're a big fan of Rhea mm. Dempsey, Jordan. Um, she talks about the thank goodness births, mm. and I think sometimes when we're thinking about home birth and hospital birth, often women refer to thank goodness we were in the hospital, and there's absolutely mm. situations where our medical system is required for birth, and we need to. Uh, tap into that that system to you know on the rare occasion um support or save a life um but those are rare occasions and mm. Rhea often refers to the thank goodness births because thank goodness we're in hospital but yet the reason why some of those outcomes and procedures needed to take place were because of being in hospital in the first mm. place yeah so yeah yeah it's it's a very um it's a it's a it's a certainly a situation where um there's a lot of conflict back and forth around like you know where's the right place and I think as an individual only an individual knows where their chosen right place of birth is yeah definitely um and I like vividly remember a few doctors and midwives talking at the desk probably a few weeks into being a student um, about a, a midwife who'd recently come out of the system and gone private and just, you know, like making all those comments, judging, like talking illfully about home birth. Um, and I I think that's probably what even sparked it for me. I was like to another colleague, oh, I'd home birth. And they were like, oh, no, no way, that that's not safe. And I was like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so did you ever consider any other <clears throat> models of care or was it always you always wanted to have a home birth with a midwife? And can you talk us through just so other people that may not know or aware what a private practising midwife is um, and how, I guess, how a private midwife worked for you? Yeah, so... Um... Again, I can't really like always remember thinking about how a birth would play out for me until I was going down that journey and being exposed to it working in the system. So I think, yeah, in my head it was always going to be home birth when I did start making those connections and actually thinking about becoming a mother. And, yeah, for me I pretty much peed on a stick, messaged a midwife the next day, and I, I guess being a midwife, I kind of knew a little bit about how they operate, um, but basically um, a private practising midwife is someone who's obviously done their degree. Um, you have to have done 5,000 hours um, within a maximum of six years to become endorsed. You have to do a prescribing course at university and obviously like a lot more goes into it setting up the business having the resources available for if and when an emergency is needed um at a home birth but yeah pretty much like I was supported from about like six seven weeks I had a conversation with the first midwife I engaged with and it was it was more just chatting you know how you going this is you know look after yourself very holistic not kind of making it procedural or um, dot pointing things it was yeah just a conversation and were there any aspects or things you did to prepare during pregnancy for your birth 
whether it be like regular rituals or any education that you obtained or, you know, mindset work that you did that you think helped your birth? Yeah, I was kind of an all-in girl. (laughs) (laughs) I did um, like acupuncture early on. I actually engaged in acupuncture even before falling pregnant as like maybe this will help as well. And funnily enough, when I did do acupuncture, I'd did fall pregnant maybe it was a bit of that maybe it was a bit of the ovulation induction uh what else I did Cairo probably from about 20 weeks I was going every fortnight for maybe six to eight weeks and then basically weekly until I had Leo um that was um Kelly at Hunter Healthy Spines she's just incredible so holistic and she'd actually home birth herself so I felt so like safe in her space and she totally got you know me wanting to set my body up and like um not saying that Cairo does that like you don't have to go and do Cairo to be able to birth but I just found it was really supportive of my own kind of um body did you do Cairo to help with like optimal positioning or were you having pain that you were trying to alleviate a bit of both um I did have some sciatic nerve pain and quite a bit of back pain in um pregnancy I think being on my feet at work a lot contributed to that um and I had Braxton Hicks from about 14 15 weeks too which is not very typical of a first pregnancy so I hear um, I think, again, that would be being on my feet at work a lot and probably not drinking enough water and all those things. But I, I hoped that because it was so active in pregnancy, it was going to be nice and strong for the birth. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, for optimal um, maternal positioning as well, just making sure all those ligaments were nice and relaxed and, yeah. Jordan, can you talk through, I think you were about to say just before um, some hypnobirthing, mm, um, I think yeah. you started to say that, so we'll come back to that. But can you also talk through some of the, if there were any mindset challenges that came up for you, you've you've clearly described being so sure about having a home birth and all that comes with a home birth. But also, um, you know, you, you were seeing birth as well. You're a mm. midwife. You have research behind you. You have um, you know, experiences of others. How did you deal with all those mindset things that I've just sort of noted? Because that's a lot going on there. How did you How did you deal with some of that sort of stuff? Mm. Um, well, because it was like tricky conceiving, um, I actually asked my boss to not be placed in the birth unit, and I just like never really felt aligned with the care that was provided in the birth unit anyway. So during my trying to conceive journey and then during pregnancy, I was like, yeah, I don't want to be working in that space because it was stark difference to what I was envisioning for my own birth. Um, I'd still obviously hear about all the intervention and like looking after, I was mainly working um, in the antenatal and postnatal period, like still hearing and seeing a little bit of it. Um, but again, I think it comes down to the fact that I know that intervention does cause a lot of the issues that women are having for their births. And again, they're like you mentioned, um, Carly, like intervention has its place, but it there is far too much intervention these days. And like I, I'll never not say that. It's 
the truth and we can see it with like outcomes statistically um the rates of intervention versus outcomes have not really changed if anything they've got worse there's more birth trauma um yeah so it was kind of challenging um I do feel like I had and have birth trauma from seeing the experience of other women and yeah that was mainly the reason I didn't want to work in birth unit and ended up choosing a home birth and like continued to just be absolutely happy with my decision to do so yeah, that's so, so great. So leading into your birth, Jordan, how were you feeling, you know, in those latter part of your, that latter part of your pregnancy around your mindset? How were you feeling physically, emotionally? Were you doing anything different that you'd sort of uh, not done through the first part of your pregnancy? Um, Physically, like I said, I had those like um, sciatic pain and the Braxton Hicks and back pain. Um, but otherwise, like, quite okay. Um, mentally, like, I felt I loved being pregnant um, and I felt, like, super connected to the baby growing inside me, even so much so that, like, I'd say to my midwife, like, oh, I don't know if I'm, like, ready to give birth yet as the weeks got on. Um, and I feel like there was a little bit of a shift like that towards the end that maybe eventually allowed that like process to unfold where I like was accepting that like I was going to have a baby outside of me like obviously I always wanted him to like to see him and like have my baby in my arms but I just loved like feeling him kick and he was so active and yeah and you don't hear that much and like working in the hospital like um, obviously women were in hospital for some reasons antenatally but like just a lot of complaining about pregnancy and like I can't judge because that's not me but like I just really respected my body and like was in awe of like what it was doing to grow him so yeah um yeah but, yeah throughout the pregnancy um I did hypnobirthing around 26 weeks um through hypnobirthing with Sky. She's just had her own baby, so I think she's off on maternity leave for a bit, but I'm sure she'll get back into it for anyone that's wanting to, um, you know, do that. I'd 100% recommend hypnobirthing, and so does Ryan. Like, he found it heaps useful for, like, learning techniques on how to support me physically and just kind of, like, seeing, like, what can happen. I obviously, like, being a midwife kind of, knew a little bit but I'd never walked the journey as a pregnant person and like I said I was all in like I was doing all the things so I loved that but um I really liked some of the hypnobirthing tracks and every morning I'd do like a about a 20 minute yoga sequence um whilst one of the positive affirmations was playing and I'd always play it when I was like driving to work and I felt that was really good for mindset yeah. But I yeah. really surrounded myself with like positive stories. Um, didn't really like take any attention of like some things on social media that weren't positive. Um, and I think that's really important to protect your space in that respect. Yeah, I think um, late pregnancy can be a little bit vulnerable at times and protecting having those boundaries um, in place around what you hear and what other people's perceptions might be of how far along you are or what kind of birth you're having. And, and it does flow into that postpartum period too. If you're feeling really heavy and your energy isn't quite where it needs to be um, for that period of your life. 
Um, I also like didn't really pay too much attention to like my due date um, and I didn't actually like advertise what my due date was like on social media. I never did the typical like 20 weeks pregnant post or anything like that because I didn't want people harping me. Yeah. Um, like I'd talk about it in conversation and people did know around about when I was due but I was more than prepared to be like 42 weeks plus and I actually like was so surprised when I did go into labour at 40 and 4 because I was like so expecting to be pregnant forever. <laughs> yeah and I think that first time mums um, you know sometimes need to prepare themselves because oh, that's, yeah. that's what evidence and statistics say that um, I think it's 40 and 5 or 40 and 6 is the like the normal um, date date range or gestation yeah. range. And at um, so, one of the hypnobirthing courses, um, there was another lady there and she was like, 37 weeks and I'm done. And I'm like, you cannot have that mindset. Like, <laughs> firstly, yeah, it's not very common that a first-time mum or anyone really will have a baby at 37 weeks. Just because you've hit that early term does not mean that your baby is ready or your body is ready. Like, try and, like, change that mindset. Mm, yeah yeah and I know you're a big advocate for all those sorts of mindset things yeah so do you want to talk us through how um labor began for you what sort of indications you first had around this is happening how Mm. you felt about that yeah so just to kind of like set the scene Leo was born on a Friday so the Monday of that week I had um acupuncture and I wasn't going to like get acupuncture to you know bring things along because I don't really believe that like anything is really gonna do that until your body and your baby is ready um but she was doing a few more like pressure point kind of stuff um and during that I could feel like some surges happening which was weird it was like she had this point in my um between my thumb and my first finger connected to like an electrode And it was so weird. It was like, yeah, giving me surges. Um, But anyway, then the Tuesday I had Cairo and Kelly mentioned like as she was feeling my sacrum that things felt like super loose. I was like, oh. And like after the fact she was like, I knew that you would have a baby soon. (laughs) Um, And then again on the Thursday I went back for Cairo. I think I was just kind of feeling quite uncomfortable. Um, So I felt that really helped me. Um, and then that afternoon on the Thursday, I went and got a pregnancy massage um, with a lady who also is kind of like a Reiki therapist. So she was like obviously giving me a beautiful treatment. She was really good. Um, and during it, I was getting surges and like I didn't say anything, but she was like, are you feeling those? And I was like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that kind of stuff. <laughs> um and then, yeah, at the end of the massage, she, like, put her hands in my belly and the lights flickered three times. And I was, like, I looked at her and she looked at me and um, she was, like, that's just, you know, telling you everything is going to be okay. Oh, and she I've was, like, bumps. I oh, bet so you'll I. have a baby soon. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so, yeah, I, the drive to where I get those massages is about 20 minutes from home but for some reason the traffic was like super banked up that day it took me about 45 minutes so double the time and I was getting those surges quite 
frequently and I was like oh my god like if this is this is labor like this is no like it can't be I'm driving and like it ended up being that I was just super uncomfortable in the car which I always was during pregnancy and like my bladder was full and probably a bit to do with whatever she'd done in the massage too um but I got home and Ryan had been home from work and he had dirt all over his face and I was like get in the shower like if this is this is labor like you need to be ready and like let's make some dinner and like (laughs) like I just wanted to make sure that we would have things set up for like that calm kind of that I needed (laughs) yeah yeah Um, and I've noticed Jordan on your Instagram page you, you you had um a big wall of affirmations and uh different images had you already set that up was that already in place like was your sort of environment um all all set up ready to go yeah I did have various things set up throughout the house like some little cards um affirmations set up but that um big like birth um altar kind of sheet that I made um with the pictures I'd colored in throughout pregnancy and the words and just kind of things that resonated with me we popped that over the tv that was kind of the idea of it was to just like block out the tv so it didn't look like a lounge room yeah um we popped that on when I was actually in labor the next day so yeah the Thursday after that drive home it ended up I laid on the lounge and everything like just went back to normal and I was I wasn't phased by that I wasn't like oh no like damn it like I wanted this to be labor I was like oh well Maybe that was my body doing something. Maybe it wasn't. Like I definitely wasn't disappointed. Um, Yeah, so the Friday, the day of his birth, I woke up in the morning at around 6 o'clock like I normally would, Um, looked in the mirror at my belly, which I'd often do when I woke up, and I noticed that it just looked different. Like, And it, it never dropped like women asked about or talked about but it had this typical like square look to it um, and there is a photo of it on my Instagram page but yeah it kind of just like after the fact I was like oh yeah like it looked like it was in that super optimal position that they describe of like baby's back down the front bum up the top head down um, so yeah that was around six o'clock um, and then yeah just went about my day as normal had breakfast did my little yoga that I'd normally do. Um, Ryan was obviously at work. He'd actually taken my um, car for a service. Um, so he was at work without a car. And then around 9.30, I went to the toilet and did a wee. And I kind of noticed that after I'd finished doing a wee, like I could still like feel or see a little bit of a trickle, like, but I wasn't actively like weeing. Um, so I was like, oh, that's odd. Um, but went back about my day and then went to the toilet again and noticed that I had a little bit of like pink, like slippery discharge. I was like, hmm, wonder what this is. Like, could be anything. But I think I sent a picture, um, to my friend Holly, who acted as the second midwife at the home birth. Um, and then I started to get those really like deep lower down pains um not like they definitely weren't painful it was just I noticed them um and I thought oh okay like 
I'm just going to lay on the lounge. I definitely wasn't one of those people who was like, I'm going to get on the exercise ball, I'm going to go curb walking. Like I knew that if this was something, my body would just continue to do it. Um, So, yeah, from the beginning they were about six to eight minutes apart for about 15 or 20 minutes. And then from there they went to about five-minutely um for about another 20 30 minutes and I was laying on the lounge and then got up and I felt more of like that wetness in my underwear and went to the toilet and being a midwife we kind of have to have this little test of if it is the waters it will smell like a typical smell and it did so I was like oh yeah it must be my waters (laughs) um and then from then on um things just like yeah, just pretty much took off. Um, I don't feel like I really had much of an early labour because from about 10, 30, 11 o'clock, they were every two minutes. Um, so, yeah, like it just goes to show that like the body never follows a pattern like typically like the textbook will say. And at what point, Jordan, did um you say to Ryan, hey, I think you need to find a car and come <laughs> home? Yeah, we were texting back and forwards, but I thought it was going to be a three-day labour, so I definitely wasn't like, oh, quick, get home. It was more like, oh, do you think we should call Toyota and let them know to not work on my car? And, like, it was a bit of back and forwards about that between me just, like, you know, breathing through them Um, and, of course, having some conversations and sending pictures um, with my midwives as well. Um, I think it got to around 11 o'clock and I was on the phone to Ryan and I think he could tell that maybe it was a bit more like more more labour than I thought. So he <laughs> ended up bringing a work car home. Um, and I think even from that moment of Ryan kind of arriving home, things took off a bit more. It's like that oxytocin just kind of let go. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Um, when he was home, my midwife called me again and within about a seven minute phone call, I had three surges and she was like, Jordan, I'm coming. Like, and I'm like, no, but like, what if I don't want you to be here like for hours for nothing? And (laughs) cause yeah, like I said, like I was like always in this mindset that I was going to be 42 weeks pregnant. It was going to be a three day labor. I was going to be pushing for three hours. Like I just like the extremities of everything. But yeah, she was, at, um, she was about an hour. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she lived about an hour away. So she was actually at Kmart and had to sort out her kids. She ended up meeting her husband out the front of my home um, to drop the kids, swap over. Um, yeah. Um, and yeah, Ryan was here. And the conversation with my midwife, um, we were deciding like what to do next like should I put the Thames machine on or have a shower and we ended up deciding I should get in the shower because like once you pop the Thames machine on it's kind of like on until you get in the birth pool or do something else I suppose mm-hmm. um, so I had a shower but our shower was like tiny so I didn't really feel like I had the movement to sway my hips and be comfortable in that space I did really like the hot water though um and whilst I was in there um I typical midwife like checked to see if I could feel how dilated I was (laughs) not that I like again like I'm very like 
normal brained like birth is normal it's not going to like doesn't mean anything how dilated you are and could be this one moment and then you know baby born the next but like I just like you only get to do that a few times or depending on how many times you're pregnant (laughs) right so (laughs) yeah um but yeah I could feel that I was like he was only probably about like two knuckles in and about four to five centimeters so like yeah that was around like maybe 11 11 30 so two hours after things had started so yeah things had taken off and I think in that moment I was like oh okay like I am in labor yeah um, Jordan you just talked about wanting to in the shower you you felt that need to sway your hips were you wanting to be did you naturally feel like you wanted to be active and and couldn't in the shower or yeah yeah no I like all I wanted was to um, and until I got in the birth pool all I did was stand at the end of our bench like with my forearms on it Ryan behind me squeezing my hips and like swaying them in like a figure eight kind of pattern yeah that was like what felt really good for me and um, I think it's going into that meditative state too. It, mm. It's not just body movement. It's also really powerful for the mind yeah. at that state too. Like you're, you're just that repetitive motion or repetitive thought pattern or repetitive affirmation is is like you focusing on something um, and, and letting that natural instinct just go with it, I guess. Um, mm. I find, yeah, that that's really powerful. Yeah, definitely. And like... I was practicing the breaths that we'd learned in hypnobirthing, so like really loose like lips and just like letting my body do what it wanted to do. If I needed to make noise, I did. And, yeah, as I said, like I really, really liked Ryan, like doing those really hard pressure squeezes on my hips. He was, you know, in between setting up the birth pool and then I'd be like, come and squeeze my hips. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah after I got out the shower we popped the TENS machine on and whilst I think TENS machines are good I think potentially my labor had progressed a little bit quicker than what that TENS could kind of give me relief for Um, yeah TENS machines they they do sort of say you want to pop them on in really early labor don't you because otherwise they sort of lose that impact a little bit yeah, but so again, it was kind it, of a good distraction, but it wasn't – I don't think it was really – like I'd heard people really rave about them and for me I don't think that, yeah, I I missed that point. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what what did your surges feel like to you? Were they what you'd imagine? I mean, you'd been having Braxton Hicks for m- the majority of your pregnancy. So mm. as a first-time mum and not having experienced a surge before – um, how did you differentiate between, okay, my Braxton Hicks, my surges, and how did you, what did your surges feel like as your labour progressed? Mm, so, yeah, throughout the pregnancy, the Braxton Hicks was super just like muscle tightness right at the top of my stomach, whereas the surges for me were always and the whole way through, right down low kind of not like in my vagina but like kind of at the start at the front of my tummy so to speak um and it's funny because my midwife throughout points of the labor she would ask me are those surges like are they still there at the front and it got to the point where I was like oh no it doesn't feel like that anymore and she described it really well as like that feeling at the front is actually your cervix being pulled up forward so yeah I suppose just like a deep kind of ache 
I think. Yeah. 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 And so you were using breath, you were using movement, yeah. you are using water, hip mm. squeezes. Was there any A other as tools? Well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, those wooden combs. And another thing, um, a little handheld fan, which I yep. loved. Like every time a surgery would come on, I'd just put that right in my face. But pro tip is get one with batteries that doesn't need to be recharged because mine yep. kept dying. So we had like an extension cord across the kitchen. <gasps> yeah. Um, it was just a cheapo one from the reject shop or something. So I would definitely get something with just batteries that you could like swap out in the moment if needed for future. Um, yeah. Yeah, so um, my friend Holly, who was the second midwife, got there around 12 um, and she was, yep, just observing, like encouraging me, taking some little videos for me because I wanted kind of footage Um, and she was there around 12.20. We checked my undies and I had like quite a thick, dark, bloody show Um, and then another one probably 20 minutes after that. I think she messaged Rhiannon and was like, yeah, like Jordan's just had two of these. Like I think they're progressing quite quickly. Um, and then my birth photographer arrived at about 1 o'clock, followed by Rhiannon, my primary midwife, at that point in time too. And at that point I I had started to get quite vocal and like I would describe during some of the um, surges I was actually like a bit screechy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I'd be like, Ooh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't really know how to replicate that past the fact, but <laughs> yeah, true for yeah. you. Either. And yeah, and no one was telling me, you know, like don't do that or whatnot. Like that just felt right, and yeah, um, Rhiannon kind of. I didn't even see her come through the door, but she touched me on the shoulder, and like, I think we just exchanged some words, like. You know, it's happening, Jordan, and, yeah, like, I felt at ease. Yeah. Um, Oh, that's another goosebump moment for me because I think when you know all your people are there, you know you're in your safe space and you're safe people, um, you can just let go, can't you? Yeah, yeah, and she was like, do you want to jump in the pool? And I was like, yes. (laughs) And Ryan (laughs) had been setting up the pool, but it was, like, taking ages to fill because we had this super good plan that, We didn't want to tap into the hot water system of the house in case my labour was three days and I wanted to be in and out of the shower. So he'd set up like a um, portable camping gas kind of um, gas heated water system and that was like obviously like it had to heat the water so it was taking ages and I kept saying to him, Ryan, fill up the pool, like I need it. And he's like thinking like obviously like Jordan, like you've told me throughout this whole pregnancy that it's going to be ages, like we've got time. Um, But they ended up just changing over the hose to like the normal hot water because it was obvious that like, yeah, I needed to get in the pool and we weren't Mm going to be worrying about the shower. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, yeah, got in there and it is just like amazing that feeling of jumping into the hot water. I like an – like just an automatic relief yeah with your experience as a midwife and I suppose you know everything you already knew about birth did you at this point think that you were getting close and Ryan do do you think he knew at this point that you were close or because he had thought you know you had 
put in his mind that it was going to be days long? Did he realise that Mm. it was getting closer? I think I'd made a point to tell him after I'd checked myself in the shower that things had probably been progressing a bit quicker than we anticipated. Um, I don't remember too much of a particular point where I thought, oh, like it is super close. Um, I was in the pool at one point and like um, I kept asking my midwives, oh, is it, you know, are we nearly there? Can you see him? And like I was worried that I was going to midwife myself a bit too much, but it was never in like a negative way um, in the end. Um, But I did like every now and again I would like feel and I could feel that he was like just like one knuckle in so I like knew it was coming um I don't know about Ryan I think I guess maybe he did just from the support that like my other midwives were giving me you know just that presence and um maybe my behaviors as well um because like I did get a little bit narky at him a few points in time (laughs) which I said could happen I think there was one point where um throughout the labor all I wanted playing and I think we repeated it probably about five or six times was the positive affirmations track that I'd listened through out the pregnancy um just like a 20 minute long one just repetitions of like positive words like it had come to the end and I'd be like put it back on (laughs) and like I think they got to the point where they'd memorized the last few sayings that they were ready to hit the repeat button um (laughs) And then, like, once I think it was after maybe or maybe when I was, like, pushing and we could see that things were close, I wanted Ryan to swap it over to, like, a playlist I'd made of, like, actual songs. Um, And I was, like, trying to direct him mid-contraction or through, like, where this playlist was on my phone. And, like, I think I kind of expected him to just know, like, where it was. So (laughs) I was a bit narky at him then. And then after Leo's head had come out like throughout the contractions um I also had like towels like on my forehead and shoulders I was like get rid of all those like I wanted to look nice for the birth (laughs) yeah so I think he probably did have a few little signs yeah so when you moved into that more that that sort of pushing phase Jordan Mm. and we can go back if we've missed anything um when you moved into that pushing phase um what was happening around you? Like, how did you feel? Um, mm. What was like? How did your? How were your vocals? How were your breathing? Some of those things that you'd been using to uh, to work through up to that point. Yeah, so I feel like um, I probably started pushing before I, you know, in quotation marks, had to. But there was no cervical checks for me. That was not something I wanted, and definitely something my midwives never suggested anyway. Um, but I did feel like giving a little bit of like a grunty bear down push um, throughout was kind of helping those surges um, ease in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it got to the like, and they weren't like active pushes either for a bit. Like I was like doing just like kind of little like grunty ones for a while there until I actively started pushing. And then when I was actively pushing, I was changing my position quite frequently, like squatting, standing up, holding onto Ryan, like one foot up, leaning over, lying back. Like I would was being quite active within the pool as well. 
Yeah. Um, and I did keep asking my midwives, you know, can you see more? And they would be like, yeah, we're seeing more of his head and, like, there's a little bit of his hair. And um, so that was kind of reassuring as well. Um, but I felt was what it- really helped me was, like, I had my hand kind of down at my perineum and I could feel, like, the progress with the pushes um from my hand being there were there any moments up to that point where you felt like you had a bit of a crisis of confidence um you you know you sort of not necessarily doubted your ability but you either just wanted it to be over or you thought it wasn't gonna happen or any any moments where you just thought this is just too hard um definitely didn't ever think that I couldn't do it or it was too hard but I was exhausted like (laughs) You know, it had happened mm. quite quickly. Yeah. Everything was bang, bang, bang for me. So it was quite a shock to my body. And um, yeah, yeah, like I, like I said, I kept asking, like, is he coming and stuff. So I suppose I was kind of not getting impatient, but I just wanted that reassurance from those people that yeah. I trusted in those space. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I knew he, yeah. I knew he was going to come one way or another. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I knew it so wasn't then, um, typical for like, well, you know, typically as a first time mum, your body hasn't stretched to that capacity before. So I knew like my body had to do work, and Leo had to do work to move through my pelvis as well. So yeah, yeah, of course, mum and baby working mm. together for the first time. So what was that? So as as he sort of started to descend and his head um, mm. was appearing, do you, do you have any concept of time, like what was happening no, within your surges, how the, you felt? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember because the clock was out of vision for me. It was around the corner yeah. so I wasn't looking at the clock and stark difference to the like hospital and even like Holly, mm. my midwife who works, you know, she was a colleague of mine. She even reflected post the fact like there was no like you know making a note of when Jordan started pushing or like yeah yeah just none of that which was great like my midwives were just standing there observing and giving me like light touch or reassurance where I needed and asking what I needed not telling me what I needed kind of thing um but um yeah as I continued to push like I could feel that pressure like building down in my perineum um and I don't remember feeling like a massive burning ring of fire like I think women should like forget about that because I don't think it's Mm. always like that like I didn't Mm. I didn't feel that actually if anything I felt it more in my butt (laughs) yeah 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 it was actually more painful in my butt than my vagina (laughs) yeah yeah um but he just slowly and like over probably um, I watched back the video and it was probably over like three or four songs that he just slowly stretched my perineum. Like it was very, very slow. Um, yeah. And I think in, after the fact, like that was great because I didn't actually get any tears. So Yeah, wonderful. It's just and goes the water. To show that, yeah, the water. Mm. Um, yeah. Me kind of guiding in ways yeah. that I could. Like it just goes to show that just like intuitively doing what you feel is right rather than being instructed is like the best way. Of course, absolutely. Yeah. He made his appearance. Mm, yeah, so um, he, like I said, all slowly happening and um, Rhiannon just reminded me, you know, do those like blowing out candle breaths um, just to not forcefully push him 
so I did that um and yeah his head emerged under the water um and it was probably I think a song and a half or maybe nearly a full song of his head just sitting under there there was no like you know quick we've got to get him out kind of thing I just kept following my body and um in that moment when his head was like underwater but his body was still inside me I remember like rubbing my belly and thinking and like my friend Holly she said like oh this is the last time you'll feel him like rubbing your belly you know and that was quite Mm. emotional yeah 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 yeah. um yeah and then I had my hands there and the next surge come and it was probably like three or four little grunty candle blowing breath pushes and his body come out um yeah he was born under the water um my midwife once he was up on my chest or halfway to there we noticed he had the cord around his neck and shoulder so she just gently slipped that off like not kind of frantically or anything just gently um and then once he like fully hit my chest I just like felt this wave of emotion and reached up kind of to my husband Ryan and um I don't think it was a dry eye like I could just remember saying I did it like my baby and just like kissing his forehead and his little hands and it was only about 10 seconds I think and we heard him start to cry but I don't ever like I was never like worried that he wasn't crying either like I never Mm -hmm. got that chance to worry like and he looked fine and he had good kind of tone and um, yeah, I could tell that he was just doing his own thing to transition to Earthside, yeah. Mm. So did you at that point, um, you had some skin-to-skin in the birth pool or did you jump out of the pool? What sort of happened next? Yeah, I just um, kind of held him on my chest and um, everyone was kind of just, you know, gooing and gawing over him but, like, not, like, making a massive deal either. It was, like, kept quite... Um, like quiet in the room um but I was like ecstatic like I just felt like a badass (laughs) (laughs) um and just like was waiting for him to try and latch to the breast himself I didn't want to like forcefully put like my breast inside his mouth um it did take him a while to latch um but eventually he did and then he was on for quite a while um and I yeah just continue to sit in the birth pool waiting for those signs that maybe my placenta was coming and I was getting a few little cramps here and there um my bleeding was normal so we weren't worried it was kind of getting to that hour mark I believe um and um like my midwives weren't worried they were just waiting um but we tried the um blissful herbs tincture um placenta release to see if that would help my placenta come it was Mm kind of like obvious that my placenta had potentially already detached from my uterus because the um, cord had gone really limp and like loose and white Mm -hmm. um, but it just wasn't kind of budging outside Um, so we tried that twice um, and I gave a little bit of gentle like traction myself but um, nothing was kind of like coming so my midwife suggested hopping out of the pool and giving a little bit of um, a walk to the toilet to see if gravity would help 
Um, so, yeah, I made my way to the toilet, sat on there, and they were kind of all just, you know, around supporting me. Leo was obviously still attached to me because I didn't want his cord, like, clamped or cut until after the placenta was fully birthed outside my body. Um, sat on the toilet. And then I just remember like having a bit of a dream and waking up and everyone was like, oh, are you okay? And I was like, oh. So, yeah, I'd actually had a little bit of a faint. Um, yeah, right. On the toilet. Um, yeah, and um, like there wasn't a massive, like it definitely wasn't a flurry, like no one was running around or frantic or panicking. They were just more so seeing if I was all right and they – did call the ambulance um, to let them know, but one I come to, I was kind of like, no, like I'm fine, like we don't need them here, like my blood was was normal and I, I genuinely felt okay. Um, but then I had another faint episode um, mm. on the toilet again. So they did end up calling the ambulance again. Um, but I said, that's fine, like, I can understand, like, you want them there as, like, um, a backup, but, like, unless they're actually needed, I just want them to say, stay outside. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I just have this, had this, like, very straightforward, normal birth. I didn't want it to turn into, like, a frenzy of people in my home, like, poking and prodding at me. Mm-hmm. Um, and my midwives definitely weren't doing that, but... Um, I ended up laying down on the ground in my bathroom. Um, they gave me, like, my one of my mid- midwives cannulated me and gave me a litre of fluids just to, like, give me a bit of replenishment. Um, Leo, yeah, he still remained with me. I think in between the kind of faint episodes, Ryan was kind of standing near me at the toilet um, holding him, but they didn't, like, quickly clamp and cut the cord or separate him from me. Um, and then when I hopped down onto the ground, he like come back into my arms and laid down on the ground with me while I ate a Zupa Duper and, <laughs> um, yeah, like it was just like, it's just such a stark difference. Cause I know like in the hospital, they have these policies of when the placenta needs to be out. Mm. And for me, like it ended up taking nearly three hours. Um, mm. but I was like, fine. I suppose like I had had the two faint episodes um but we ended up discovering that it was probably because my placenta was just kind of like sitting on my cervix causing what's known as cervical shock um and once the placenta was birthed um it actually had like a second lobe on it um so quite different to that typical like just full round one piece it hadn't detached but it my cervix had obviously kind of like clung on to that last little bit mm. um, and was just, yeah, not allowing it to pass through. Um, so that was, yeah, quite different. Yeah. So at this point, at the three-hour mark, the ambulance was still waiting outside? Yeah, they were just yeah. um, out there, you know, just in case, I suppose. Um yeah. And they were like, they made a joke that it was near the end of their shift, so they were just going to sit out there until that was over anyway. Yeah, okay, yeah. So you didn't uh, get a bit No, I, I didn't actually, no. And I asked yeah, my midwives and the birth photographer and they didn't, like, say that there was any judgment, yeah. Amazing. But I can see why you'd ask that because, yeah, mm. like, 
even when I wrote up my birth story on my Instagram page, like I felt in ways I had to justify what had happened because it isn't the typical way things would go, especially not in hospital. Mm. And I thought that some people would be reading that thinking, oh, what, you know, um, irresponsible, like, you know, Mm. those kind of words. Um, but yeah, like once the placenta was birthed, I hopped up, walked back out to the birth pool and we got some photos with the placenta and like a bowl that I'd got and then I hopped on the lounge. Um, obviously still all skin to skin. We tied the cord off with a little crochet sun that I'd made and Ryan cut um, the cord and midwife did all the checks on Leo and that was us for the night. <laughs> Oh, amazing. It sounds like such a beautiful experience. And like I've seen on your Instagram, you're still on a birth high, which is which is amazing. That's what we all dream of. Um, so based on your experience of birth, what would you say to expectant families to support them on their journey or a, a little tip, a little bit of advice? Yeah, I mean, yes, um, obviously I'm going to be a massive advocate for home birth because I've done it and like I know that the evidence suggests, especially for low-risk women, like it is as safe and even safer in terms of less intervention. But if you are going into the medical system, just preparing yourself and really thinking about what you want your birth to look like and working backwards from there on what you should do to kind of achieve that. And can you tell us about the home birth group that you've set up? Um, since having Leo? Yeah, so um, there is a, there was a, well, there is a Newcastle um, one, but I was finding like when they were setting up um, meetups that it was just a little bit too far for people like me and Greta or Singleton to travel. Um, I don't like travelling to Newcastle on a normal day, let alone like now with a baby. Mm. Um, so I thought just to bring that community a bit closer for the Hunter Valley women, um, we'd set up one, yeah, for people that are a bit closer to, you know, Maitland, Singleton, um, the Hunter Valley kind of region. Um, so I made a Facebook page and hoping to like make a regular meetup for women that are, you know, have home birth, are interested in home birth for the future, or just, you know, feel that like that community is what they need. Before we go, yeah. I'd just like to briefly touch on your postpartum experience and, and how you feel like you've adjusted as a family of three and and how you found that identity shift between who you were before you were pregnant and, and who you are now and how you've found um, this postpartum journey. It's um, all good. For me, like I, I've touched a bit throughout the pregnancy, um, throughout the podcast, sorry, that pregnancy for me was you know, relatively straightforward and obviously my birth went really well from what I would describe, apart from that little hiccup with the placenta. Um, But postpartum, it has been like the biggest challenge I've ever faced. Um, No one can ever prepare you for it. And, you know, you do have people say it's hard and, you know, breastfeeding isn't always easy and that definitely was a massive thing for me. Like, um, breastfeeding has been so hard for us, but um, I've persevered through things like tongue ties and at the moment we're kind of navigating um, some allergies that he might be having or intolerances to what I'm eating. 
Mm. Um, so having to restrict my diet, but breastfeeding for me is like a massive goal. Um, like for as long as I can, mm. like I'd really like at least a year, but if not even to feed through to the next baby. Um, yeah. so I feel like I will do anything to continue that. So it's been hard, but even like postnatal anxiety, like I definitely experienced that especially around like the four to eight week mark um just like you got a virus around seven weeks and that was like so hard for me like I had these thoughts running through my mind that he got whooping cough and he was gonna die or like just like the worst things like (laughs) it was horrible um I've really like been lucky that I've got lots of friends who do already have babies so I've really lent on them um, for support and I was really lucky like lots of my friends that were coming to see us in the early kind of weeks were bringing a meal for us to eat and that made life heaps easier when you like are literally navigating like looking after a new person yeah Um, and Ryan and I decided that for the first week we didn't want to have any visitors um so that we could really navigate that new transition and Mm -hmm. I would like advocate for that to anyone like the time flies so quickly Mm. um so the that week of just kind of getting to know each other and um you know having my boobs out and him just like breastfeeding whenever he wanted and through the challenge of like pain and yeah latching difficulties I'd even next time I'd probably do at least a week if not two yeah so that sounds like a dream just having that time for you guys to bond and and work out his cues and and getting to know each other because it's stressful enough as it is let alone having people wanting to visit and feeling like you can't just you know get your boobs out if you need to <laughs> um yeah 100%, so that's amazing yeah. so definitely advocate for that yeah, yeah. So, Jordan, you mentioned a number of practitioners throughout your story, and the purpose of wanting to create this podcast is all about connecting hunter mums to local practitioners as well. So do you just want to go through again who you used, what their business is called, and we'll make sure that we link their business in the show notes and tag them on any social media? Yeah, I did. I used quite a few services in my pregnancy. Um, obviously, firstly, I'd like to mention Rhiannon, my midwife. Um, she's a private practicing midwife based in Wyong, but she was happy to travel up here to the Hunter Valley. Her um, business name is The Mindful Midwife. And then I've got um, my birth photographer, Caitlin Hans. She um, kind of knows a lot about birth as well, so it was great chatting backwards and forwards with her. She goes by um, Earth Child Photography and then for that kind of holistic care that I received throughout pregnancy with like body work, um, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, Kelly um, at Hunter Healthy Spines East Maitland, she actually owns that um, practice and she's very holistic in the sense that she deals with pregnancy, like non-pregnant people. And then I've also seen her postnatally for care for Leo as well. Um, And then, again, postnatally, I had some issues with breastfeeding. um, So linked in pretty early with an IBCLC MMR. 
um, and her business is Empowered Lactation with Emma. And then for my kind of mindset and kind of partner preparation was the hypnobirthing and that was with Sky Mandel and her name's Hypnobirthing with Sky. Thanks for that, Jordan, and we'll be sure to link everybody to those practitioners as well. Well, it's been so lovely talking to you today. It's been amazing listening to your birth story, um, getting to know sort of a bit of the ins and outs and the way that um, home birth is, um, the the gentle nature of it and the um, just the sacredness of that space. So thank you so much for letting us into your uh, story today. I'm sure the listeners are going to just love listening to you and your story. And yeah, thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me. And I'm happy for you to link my um, Instagram as well, where I've shared my story in full. That's um, from womb underscore to world. We will do that. You've got some really great content and really great insights um, into the birth, birth world on there with your story. So, yep, definitely we'll link that one. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Valley Village Collective Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and feel more supported in your journey through motherhood or even just put a smile on your face today. Before you go, it would mean the world to us if you hit the follow button so you don't miss an episode. Leave us a review if you liked today's episode and find us on Instagram at Valley Village Collective. See you next week.